Good afternoon. Happy Sabbath, church family. Nice to see you today. Glad we can be here. Um, for some of, it's kind of, of us, it's kind of a high Sabbath because tomorrow we're planning on a very important event. And um, I'm just kind of curious uh, how many of you are possibly visiting here at the Brooklyn Church today because you're here to help tomorrow at the uh, Wycliffe event. I'd like to see your hands. Uh, really nice. Thank you so much for coming. Is Tracy here? Look at that. Where'd you come from, Tracy? Isn't that something? Uh, yeah, good, good. So that dear sister came all the way from Arizona to help tomorrow. So I think that's very nice. We're glad to have you. And um, uh, after church, uh, Tim and I'd like to meet with you just for a little bit, just to give you, if we can, any helpful information about tomorrow. So we'll probably, I would say we could just meet right back in the foyer and it shouldn't take very long at all. Um, I'm, I have a favor to ask of some of you. Um, Thursday I picked some sweet corn and I didn't get, couldn't get to it yesterday because I was extremely busy, but I brought a bag of sweet corn. I got 120 ears. I really like to give them out. So if anybody wants to hang around a little bit until I can get over to my van after church, I got some small bags. If you want to take some ears of corn, I'd be glad to give them to you. So that'd be good. Um, but anyway, let's, uh, let's bow our heads and, um, I'd like to have a prayer and then we'll open the word of God and talk a little bit this morning. Father in heaven, we want to thank you that we can be here today. I pray that the Holy Spirit will be with us as we open your word and as we study it, that we will be led of thee and blessed of thee. We just pray, dear Lord, that the glory of the light that shines from Jesus will shine into our hearts, and that we will see the magnificence of his word, that we will love him more because we have been here, because he has died for us, and he is coming again. And we ask these things in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. So for our scripture reading, Emery uh, took us to Revelation chapter 18, and I'd like to look at that, and we're going to look at, kind of make that as our springboard uh, text for um, our study this um, here at the church service today. Revelation chapter 18, and we'll take a look at the first four verses there, and just uh, see what the Lord has for us here. Revelation chapter 18, and John says, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power. And the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. And is become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come, Out of her, my people. We know that Babylon represents the fallen churches who are not in harmony as they should be with the word of God. 
it not only represents them in general, but in also specifically it represents the Roman Catholic Church. And here you have a prediction in prophecy of God's call to his people who are, are in the churches that composed Babylon at the time of the end to come out of her because Christ says that you be not partakers of her sins and that you receive not of her plagues. And it says that these churches are the hold of every foul spirit in the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. This is presenting the fact very plainly that in an apostate, degenerate religion, evil angel activity is very prominent. Because when we step aside from the word of God, we actually give ourselves over to the control of demons. It says the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. I love it. Now, one of the things that I want to observe here in this text, that the, John says, I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. In this text, it is saying that there will be light that will be disseminated throughout the entire earth in a powerful way at the end of time. God himself is light. First John chapter 1, John said, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. You know what? I don't know where the verse is, but it's somewhere in Psalms. Psalms, I was trying to find it here this morning, but some of you might know. It says, there's another text that says, the entrance of thy words giveth light. Remember reading it? It says, the entrance of thy words giveth light. And then it says, after that, the same thing in a different way. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. In other words, light, spiritual light, is understanding, is spiritual knowledge, and it's uh, spiritual light. But Psalms 119, verse 105, Thy word, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. A light unto my path. I'm going to read you a few sentences here um, about light physical light, which would give us some concept about spiritual light. It says, a new study shows that rooms exposed to light had about one-half the live bacteria, the live bacteria, excuse me, found in rooms that were kept in darkness. Okay? Half the bacteria in rooms that were lit with light compared to those that were kept in darkness. Light from the sun has disinfectant properties and can help kill bacteria. Direct sunlight, not through the glass of a window, is required. So you want direct sunlight is required. Just a couple more I'll read to you here. All plants require photosynthesis. The process within a plant that converts light and oxygen and water into carbohydrates, or energy. So all plants require light for photosynthesis. They cannot exist without it. It's the process that takes light and oxygen and water and turns it into energy. 
Plants require this energy in order to grow, bloom, and produce seed. Without light, a plant will not be able to produce the energy it needs to grow. Now listen to this. Without sunlight, plants would not be able to live. And there would be no oxygen for people to breathe. Isn't that interesting? Humans also need sunlight to function. Lack of sunlight can prevent synthesis of transmitters, leading to depression and even brain damage. Now, you all knew that sunlight causes the body to generate what? What? Endorphins? No, I didn't know that. So thanks. for That's a new piece for me. But what I had in mind was the vitamin D thing. Okay? And you all knew that... Uh, and, and you probably know that the vitamin D comes from cholesterol that was changed into vitamin D. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. So this would go along with what you're saying here about uh, depression, things like that. They've also found in a study that if you're diabetic, sunshine is very good for you. That it will actually help regulate the, the glucose level in the blood. And if you're not diabetic, it does not affect you that way. Pretty interesting. Um, and I heard of one study that said that they noticed even from people just exposing themselves to sunlight that they had some increase of muscle strength. But there's a life-giving, purifying, very important uh, influence that comes from light. Okay? So we need physical light in order to survive. I've heard, uh, you've probably heard, or at least I've read the accuracy of this. I guess I wouldn't question a whole lot, but they say if you're in total darkness after three weeks, you would lose your vision. Okay? So the, even the eyes have to have light to function. Now, I read this in a book, and, and uh, you can see whatever you think of it, but I read a book on eyesight once, and they actually suggested in the early morning before the sun gets too hot to actually look directly at the sun for a very quick moment. Not to stare at it, but for a very quick moment, and it draws that sunlight into the eyes, and it's actually very good for your eyes. So once in a while when I'm out jogging, I'll look up the sun for maybe a second or two straight at it, and they say that is really good for your eyes. But... Light, now I want to talk about spiritual light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Okay? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So when we read in Revelation chapter 18, and I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory, and he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and goes on. Then he says, come out of her, my people. You know, I was at a gas station some time back, and I paid for my gas, and I gave to the man at the counter there a book, told him what it was about, and typically what I'll tell people, I say, sir, here's a gift for you. This is a book will show you what's happening to freedoms in America. It'll show you how history repeats itself. It shows you the Bible's absolutely true and that Jesus wants you in heaven. So he said, yeah. He said, I'll take that book. There was another customer standing there at the counter. He said, I want one of those too. I said, well, come on out with me. So I went out the van, and the man marched out after me, and... Um, so I gave him the book, and I talked to him there a little bit. And he said, <laughs> just out of his mouth, he said, was the author of this book a prophet? <laughs> He's just like, I just kind of blinked. But anyway, I said, yeah. I said, I believe they were. <laughs> and anyway, he was pretty happy to get the book. So um, last evening, I had some help. Uh, once a month, there's a public event in the town close to us, and probably two to 3,000 people mingle through the streets there around the, uh, the, uh, the, the uh, center of the town, town square. 
And um, it was interesting that there was one brother there with me. He goes to the Columbus Church. His name is Paul Lambert. He was out passing out books. And there was a man came by, and from what I, I think he said, I'm pretty sure the man took a book again. But anyway, he said one of the times he had been there before, he got one of our books, The Great Controversy. And he said he shared it with a friend. He said, my friend told me, he said, I cannot put that book down. Isn't that interesting? You know, you'll read a statement. I thought I had the book. I don't see it with me. Hmm. You'll read a statement here in the book, uh, Call Porter Ministry. She says, these books will have an influence and a power on human minds that other books cannot and will not have. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So, praise God, I had some help this past Friday evening that was more active. And in about three hours, the Lord helped us pass out 300, about 325 great controversies. And we also passed out a brochure here that's been put out by the Amish Church. Some of you know about this. You can call a phone number in here, and there's 170 recordings in here, 20 on health. And so when people would come by, I would tell them uh, what the brochure was about. i say, you can call this phone number. There's 20 recordings here on health, how to beat depression, diabetes, heart disease. And then i tell them there's inspirational Bible things on, on here too. And a lot of people, so Lord helped us pass out just about, I'm sorry, just about 325 of those too. And then I'm, I'm, I have 10 of these left. I'm out. Uh, but anyway, during the, huh? Yeah, you can have one. You spoke for it. I got a few more. So anyway, during that time we were there, um, there was three ladies that had been working. See, there's all kinds of booths around the street there. People come and see different things featured. And there was three ladies came from somewhere, and they were real excited. And one of them, they all, all three of them worked at a bank booth. They worked at a bank, a local bank. They were promoting their bank. And the, all three of them came over to me, and they said, we want those, we want that book. Well, one of them had already gotten the book in the uh, brochure, and she brought the other two over. I said, yeah, you can have that book. Um, so, uh, so you, you know, you're, you, in a case like that, you're really moving fast. Now, some people, I didn't have time to tell them a whole lot. A whole lot. They're coming by, and I'll say, like, I'll say either sir or ma'am, I'll say, here's a gift for you. This is a powerful book. It'll give you a lot of hope to read. So one lady came by, and uh, she, she said, no, I don't want that. <clears throat> So I try to make it my habit when I get refused to be very nice and positive with the person, okay? And I don't remember exactly what I said to her. I said, you have a good night or something like that. She paused immediately after that. She said, so what is this? So I explained it to her. She said, I will take that book. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Um, just trying to think what else. But anyway, it was a pretty exciting night. So... Um, when we were all done, about 9 o'clock, I had a few books left, and the others had left. And I had my wheelbarrow there because I'd wheeled in all these books in a wheelbarrow, the table. And so I'm just getting ready to pick up the wheelbarrow and take off back to my van. And a young lady comes down the street. I grabbed the book out and a brochure out of there and gave it to her, and she was very happy to get it. So I wanted to read you a statement here on... Um, What it, this is the book, Call Porter Ministry, and it says, um, it says, if there is one work more important than another, it is that of getting our publications before the public, thus leading them to search the scriptures. 
So if there, if there is one work more important, she says, it is that of getting the publications out to the people to um, search the scriptures. You know, when we get to heaven, did you know that in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 26, it says that the daytime in heaven will be seven times brighter than what we have here? Can you imagine that? Do you realize now how our mortal bodies couldn't even handle that kind of light? It's going to be absolutely amazing. The nighttime in heaven will be as bright as the daytime is here. That much, that's how much lighter it will be. It's going to be absolutely amazing there what it's going to be like. And God is now wanting to shine light into people's minds. Um, I'd like for you to look at a text here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I really like this text. And I want to start here with verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3. I'll give you a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 3. And I'm starting with that. But if our gospel be hid, it is to hid to them that are lost. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, when Paul says God commanded the light to shine out of darkness, he's talking about the week of creation when he spoke and there was light. And then he says that same power, that same creative power, God spoke and commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined where? In our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying is, look, the power that was exercised in the creation week to create this world is the same power that operates in the human heart to transform it from sin to righteousness, from selfishness to love. It's the same power. We cannot uh, do it on our own, which is very obvious. Now, there's a statement in the book, Publishing Ministry. I just want to kind of put this out for your pondering. It says, a great work can be accomplished. Now, listen to this. A great work can be accomplished by presenting to the people the Bible just as it reads. And I personally believe the regular King James Bible is the very best. I've never really taken much time to preach on that. Uh, Because, anyway, there is power and clarity and authority and beauty in the King James Version that is, in my opinion, it's above them all. But God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, when you go to the Gospel of John... You will see, um, I'm not going to go to it, but I'm going to refer to it. 
In John chapter 3, it says, this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men what? Loved what? Darkness rather than light. Why was that? Because what? Their deeds were evil. This is the thing that really grieved Christ when he was here on this earth. Brothers and sisters, sin is a very powerful principle. And it's very, it can be very addicting. And a lot of people do not want to give up their sin, their darkness, for the light that Christ has to give them. There's a statement here that I would like to refer to in the book Desire of Ages about the Jews in the time of Christ. This is talking about when Jesus came to Nazareth and he stood up and preached. And it says right in the book Desire of Ages, they said, Amen, praise the Lord. They felt the moving of the Holy Spirit. But when he told them he was the Messiah and when he told them that they need to be delivered from sin, they bristled. And they said, we want this man out of here. You know the story. They actually hauled the preacher out and took him to the cliff to try and kill him. That happened to Christ in, in, uh, when he went to Nazareth. Listen to this comment here in the book Desire of Ages, page 238. Christ had referred to um, Naaman and the woman of uh, Zarephath who was entertained um, Elijah. But anyway, I'm going to read on here. By this relation of events in the lives of the prophets, Jesus met the questioning of his hearers. The servants whom God had chosen for a special work were not allowed to labor for a hard-hearted and unbelieving people. Okay? In other words, she's talking about Elijah going to a, out of Israel to find a woman who was more open. But those who had hearts to feel and faith to believe were especially favored with evidences of his power through the prophets. In the days of Elijah... Israel had departed from God. They clung to their sins and rejected the warnings of the Spirit through the Lord's messengers. They cut themselves off from the channel by which God's blessing could come to them. So it says they clung to their sins and they rejected, they did two things. They clung to their sins and they rejected the warnings of the Spirit through the Lord's messengers. That would be mainly his prophets or whoever else was faithful. Thus, they cut themselves off from the channel by which God's blessing could come to them. The Lord passed by the homes of Israel and found a refuge for his servants in a heathen land with a woman who did not belong to the chosen people. But this woman was favored because she had followed the light she had received and her heart was open to the greater light that God sent her through his word. Brothers and sisters, I pray that we will love the light. I pray that we will love the light and not darkness. You know, we were talking a lot, you folk, a lot, well, I was listening because I try to keep my mouth shut sometimes. But we had a nice discussion today in class about, you know, choosing sin and the struggle and all that kind of thing. You know, brothers and sisters, there are so many misconceptions out there in the Christian world today. And I fear that even with, with even within Adventism, and you know why? Because we are too slack at exposing our minds to the word of God. We lack that clarity of understanding. It is true, and let me just comment on this for a moment. It is true that salvation is a gift. It is true. That is true. But did you know in the book Christ's Object Lessons it says that salvation is a gift, but we must seek after it as earnestly as though we would give up or abandon everything else in the world to obtain it? 
See, what people have done is they've taken the word of God and the, the nice, loving things about God, and I believe that they've misconstrued them. God is loving. Salvation is a gift. So they kind of go in a, to a cruise control religion. Okay? Let me share something with you. If you have a very loving mother, it will not keep you from being hurt if you jump over a 500-foot cliff. You get my point? Look, God is very loving. He's very loving. He's willing to help us. But if we choose to sin and plunge into sin, we are, we are in trouble there. So by the grace of God, we must resist and we must overcome it. I want to read a couple uh, passages here in the book Great Controversy. I like to read this book often. Um, and I want to read to you a section here, and especially in connection, and I'm going to ask the church to really pray. You know, there's going to be 35,000 non-Adventists at that event tomorrow, and I'm, pray- we, I'm pleading with you to pray that God will help us to accept, uh, to, rather to connect with people there and to help people accept it. You know, it's amazing to me, and, and even on one-on-one ministry or in these, some of these public events, how some people are so positive. I had a man last night, and um, he worked at the community hospital, and he, we had given him a book about a year ago. He said that Ellen White is a powerful writer. There was another man came by, and, and we had a few different kind of books on the table, and I said, yeah, I said, you can take anything you want. He was so happy. He gathered up the great controversy and a couple other books. He was so happy. It's like, well, why were they so happy? Isn't that the angels of God and the spirit of God preparing them? Yeah. So this is in the book Great Controversy. It's telling about a time when the Reformation was in a struggle. And there's a quote here from Martin Luther where Martin Luther said this. He said, Satan is putting forth his fury. Satan is putting forth his fury. Ungodly pontiffs are conspiring. You know what a pontiff is. You know what conspiring is, okay? Did you know the book Great Controversy calls Satan the chief conspirator? To say that there's no conspiracies? Yeah, there is a conspiracy of evil. That's why we need the word of God. Satan is putting forth his fury. Ungodly pontiffs are conspiring, and we are threatened with war. Exhort the people to contend valiantly before the throne of the Lord by faith and and prayer, so that our enemies vanquished by the Spirit of God may be constrained to peace. Then Luther said, our chief want, our chief labor is prayer. You know what? It takes energy to get down on your knees and pray to God, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it takes effort, but we need to do it. Then she says this on the next page, 210. She says, from the secret place of prayer, from the secret place of prayer came the power that shook the world. In the Great Reformation. May God help us not only to pray on our knees, but to pray as we go throughout our day. Not only do I pray on my knees, I try and through the day, I keep praying God will lead me to those who are hungry for truth. You know, just not too many days ago, I was at a house and I sell a certain item to people besides books. And the man eh, didn't seem too interested. But anyway, I gave him a brochure and tried to get him interested. And they said, oh, he said, come on in the house. So... Well, before that happened, I'd given him one of these brochures here. And so as we're walking in the house, he evidently opened it up and saw the, the section on the mark of the beast. So after I made my presentation, um, he, he and his family wanted to talk about what I'd said, decide whether or not they'd buy. So I said, yeah, I'd be glad to step out. 
Anyway, he came right out after me. We must talk for 10 or 15 minutes. He was pumping me with questions. Like the Spirit of God was working upon that man's mind. And right here, he's got all the information he needs. I gave him a lot of points, a lot of information. But here's the voice on recording that people can listen to, and I just think it's uh, absolutely tremendous. But in this quote here, it says, From the secret place of prayer came the power that shook the world in the Great Reformation. There with holy calmness, the servants of the Lord set their feet upon the rock of his promises. During the struggle at Augsburg, this was a place where there was an important meeting between the Protestants and the Catholics. And it was a very important event for the Reformation. But it says, during the struggle at Augsburg, Augsburg, Luther did not pass a day without, now listen to this, without devoting three hours at least to prayer. And they were hours selected from the most favorable to study. You know, when I read about these, these reformers, their dedication was amazing. It, you know, it, I must admit, it kind of it, it definitely dwarfs me. But God has given us a record of these people and what they did and what they accomplished to inspire us. You know, those previous generations have passed down to us the torch of truth. Now it's in our hands. We're on the home run stretch, and Jesus is soon to come. And we cannot let our zeal flag. Isn't that right? I, I think there's a statement. I meant to read it for you also if I can find it here. Um, in this chapter, uh, I thought I knew where it was. I could find it if I looked, but I'll tell you what it says. Uh, the chapter I read from just now was chapter, uh, it was page 209 and 210, chapter 11, okay? But there's one statement I also wanted to share with you. Yep, I found it. Okay, this is chapter 10, the last page. But anyway, listen to this. So we need to pray, and, and, and here's what else we need to do. The truth proclaimed with such energy and assurance spread with irresistible power. You know what? If There, there is a right way to temper yourself with, when you're with people. But zeal rightly regulated and assurance and conviction persuades people if we're too casual whatever you got to really pour yourself into it you want to connect with that person look them in the eye be earnest with them i had some people last night say i don't want that i said please take this and they said okay but it said says here that the truth proclaimed with such energy and assurance spread with irresistible power So in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 4 that we just read, I want to refer to that text, make a point. I'm going to make a few other points, and I'm going to be done here pretty soon, just for your sake. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Did you know, brothers and sisters, as we come near to the end, we're going to be defending the law of God because it's the basis of his government, the Ten Commandments. And like I told the man who talked to me out on the porch, I said, in the Bible, the only thing that was written by God himself in the Bible was the, the law of God. He didn't allow anybody else to write it. He wrote it with his own finger. And in these last days, Satan is going to try and set up his memorial Sunday 
which we know from the Bible is the mark of the beast, in contrast to the seal of God, which is the seventh day of the week. But God will have a people in these last days who understand clearly all the ramifications and the importance of the Sabbath. And we're told that as we go into the time of trouble, uh, which means before the uh, close of probation, that statement, she says, we will proclaim the Sabbath more fully. Now, there's another statement in her writing. She says this. When we, she says it will not be until we get to heaven do we realize the glory and significance of the Sabbath. So if we, under, if we think we understand anything now, we don't quite even see it yet. Isn't that amazing? But she says the truth that spread, proclaimed rather, with such energy and assurance spread with irresistible power. Now, brothers and sisters, some dear one back there during Sabbath school gave us some good advice today, and I want to echo it. We've got to be in the word. Let me just share something with you. It's not merely fast. It's not fast reading, in fact. It's meditating and pondering upon the scriptures to really drink them in. And in these last days, God is going to have a people who so fully receive the light God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. They're going to so fully re, uh, absorb that light that they will reflect Christ in character. Isn't that wonderful? Did you know that we are also told that on the other side of the coin, Satan will, that the world's, Satan's people in the world will fret, reflect his character? Listen to this. Through yielding to satanic influences, men will be transformed into fiends. And those who were created in the image of God, who were formed to honor and glorify their creator, will become the habitation of dragons. Now this. Satan will see in an apostate race his masterpiece of evil, men who reflect his own image. Isn't that something? And here at the end of time, when Satan has this accomplishment, his character fully reflected in the apostate dark world, Christ will have his purpose fully accomplished, and he will have a group of people who fully reflect his character at the end of time. They will have the purity of Christ, the love of Christ, the patience of Christ. Brothers and sisters, don't kid yourselves. Christ gives power to overcome sin. Look at 1 John chapter 3. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. You know why? Because Christ is living in the soul. It's his spirit and his presence living in the soul that, that gives us righteousness. We don't have it on our own, but it is a gift from Christ, and he gives us it to us not only for our past record, but for our present living. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. Same chapter. And every man that hath this hope in him, that is the second coming, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Yeah. So God not only wants us to get the message out by word, he wants us to get the message out by character and life. Yeah. I would totally encourage you to read these good books, The Great Controversy, The Desire of Ages, The Testimonies, as you can feed on them, feed on the word. And uh, life is busy for me. I know it's busy for probably everybody here, too. 
But I want to mention this about overcoming sin. There are so many things to talk about. You can see I'm not sure exactly. But I want to mention this here. I have this statement right here. But we are told that in order for us to arrive at perfection of character, now I'm going to say a couple things here before I go into this statement. Number one, perfection of character is a Bible doctrine. So anybody that tries to argue with that, in my opinion, they're totally blind. Number one, perfection is a Bible doctrine. Number two, God will perfect his people if they cooperate with him. Okay? Number three, when a person arrives at perfection of character, they don't know that they're there. But the whole purpose of seeking for perfection of character is so that we can cooperate with Christ in attaining that goal. You see that? And in, in, uh, Job says in uh, Job chapter 9, he, he says, if I should say I am perfect. In other words, if I should claim to be perfect, it would prove me perverse. In other words, if anybody walks around and says I'm without sin, I'm perfect. I, I had a man in my dining room one Sabbath afternoon. He said, I haven't sinned for five years. Well, according to the word of God, he's a liar. Because you better not... You, bet, you better not claim it. And number, you know, in many ways, Job says, if I should say I'm perfect, it would prove me perverse. Though I were perfect, yet would I not know my own soul. I would despise my life. So even when someone does come to the point of perfection in their walk with God, they're even unaware of it. But the point of this is we need to understand the fact that God will perfect our character. And brothers and sisters, in these last days, we can't have anything lurking in our, in our souls. Or we will cave in to the powers of darkness. We cannot have any weaknesses in our life. Now, don't be afraid and intimidated. Jesus will help the weakest saint to overcome. He will absolutely help the weakest saint to overcome. So, I will uh, finish with this. And I have a few of these brochures. I'll give them to you so you can have it. Listen to this. Here's a chapter called The Final Warning. Servants of God, with their faces lighted up and shining with holy consecration, will hasten from place to place to proclaim the message from heaven. By thousands of voices all over the earth, the warning will be given. Miracles will be wrought, the sick will be healed, and signs and wonders will follow the believers. Satan also works with lying wonders, even bringing down fire from heaven in the sight of men. Thus, the inhabitants of the earth will be brought to take their stand. Now here's the comment about literature. The message will be carried, be carried not so much by argument as by the deep conviction of the Spirit of God. The arguments have been presented. The seed has been sown, and now it will spring up and bear fruit. The publications distributed by missionary workers have exerted their influence. Yet many whose minds were impressed have have been prevented from fully comprehending the truth or from yielding obedience. Now the rays of light penetrate everywhere. The truth is seen in its clearness, and the honest children of God sever the bands which have held them. Family connections, church relations are powerless to stay them now. Truth is more precious than all besides Notwithstanding the agencies combined against the truth, a large number take their stand upon the Lord's 
side. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, and I want to be part of that, brothers and sisters. There is nothing in this world that's worth giving your eternal life away for. Yeah, and even if it means a cross, we all have thoughts, feelings, and desires that are carnal. They're wrong, and we must crucify them. We cannot give in to them, and we must follow Christ. I would much rather have a clear conscience than anything that this world has to offer, brothers and sisters. I'd much rather have a place in the eternal city than anything that this world has to offer. I don't care what it is. Yeah, let's be faithful to the end. Notwithstanding the agencies combined against the truth, a large number take their stand upon the Lord's side. Do all you can to get the light out. God bless you, and I'll look forward to the next time.